ತದೇಕಂ ಸ್ಮರಾಮಸ್ತದೇಕಂ ಭಜಾಮ ತದೇಕಂ ಜಗತ್ಸಾಕ್ಷಿಪಂ ನಮಾಮ ಸದೇಕಂ ನಿಧಾನ ನಿರಾಲಂಬಮೀಶಂ ಭವಾಂಬೋಧಿಪೋತ ಶರಣ್ಯಂ ವ್ರಜಾಮ On that alone do we meditate, that alone do we worship, to that alone the witness of the universe do we bow, to that one who is our sole eternal support, the self-existent Lord, the raft to safety across the ocean of samsara do we come for refuge om peace 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 good morning on friday night we observed here a special celebration uh, worship of the divine mother kali kali puja this looking on god as mother is one of the special emphases of shri ramakrishna we can say one of the special gifts he has given to us this way of approaching the divine as mother it's a very sweet and intimate relationship the god is my very own mother and we may ask then well who is mother kali we have performed the kali puja who actually is mother kali because her image as we know is a little bit it can be a little disconcerting if we don't know about her and we can ask for as the song says we can ask our whole life who is mother kali and still we will the singer is confounded he hasn't been able to understand who is mother kali but we will try to understand a little bit about who is mother kali her image has she has four arms and she is with one hand she is granting fearlessness fear not and with the other hand she is granting boons spiritual boons whatever boons we want but in the other hands she is carrying a sword and a severed head so it's an unusual image she stands on the breast of shiva the absolute swami nikilananda gives a beautiful description he is describing the image of mother kali at dakshineshwar which is the image which Sri Ramakrishna himself worshiped the majesty of her posture can hardly be described it combines the terror of destruction with the reassurance of motherly tenderness for she is the cosmic power the totality of the universe a glorious harmony of the pairs of opposites she deals out death as she creates and preserves she has three eyes the third being the symbol of divine wisdom they may strike dismay into the wicked yet pour out affection for her devotees
I thought one way to approach Mother Kali is to approach her through Swami Vivekananda. If we are not very familiar with Swami Vivekananda's life, we may not know about uh, why this will be appropriate. He never discusses Mother Kali in any lecture. We don't find any mention of Mother, the Divine Mother in his books, in his, in his books on the Four Yogas. And this was a conscious choice on his part. He wrote in 1900 to his American sister, Mary Hale. Apparently, she had inquired of him about what is Kali worship. So he, he was replying, apparently, to a question of hers. Kali worship is not a necessary step in any religion. The Upanishads teach us all there is of religion. Kali worship is my special fad. You never heard me preach it or read of my preaching it in India. I only preach what is good for universal humanity. If there is any curious method which applies entirely to me, I keep it a secret, and there it ends. I must not explain to you what Kali worship is, as I never taught it to anybody. Religion is that which does not depend upon books or teachers or prophets or saviors, and that which does not make us dependent in this or any other lives upon others. In this sense, Advaitism of the Upanishads is the only religion. But saviors, books, prophets, ceremonials, etc. have their places. They may help many, as Kali worship helps me in my secular work. They are welcome. So, he just gives a hint here in this letter that Kali worship plays a part in his life. But if we study his life deeply, we find that Swami Vivekananda was utterly and completely dedicated to the Divine Mother. It's a complex, a complex personality, we can say. Vivekananda, the prophet, the world teacher, was the messenger of Vedanta, the teacher of Advaita, of strength and fearlessness, of the eternal nature of the self, the truth of Brahman, and also the harmony of religions. This was his public work. His, this was the message he had for the world. But Vivekananda, the mystic, the man, Vivekananda, the instrument, was utterly dedicated to the Divine Mother, seeing himself as a mere instrument in her hands. He was her very devout worshiper. So I'd like to read some different incidents from Swami Vivekananda's life that give us a a little bit of a clue into how he looked upon the Divine Mother. Thus, we can enrich our own understanding of both Swami Vivekananda and the Divine Mother. The young Narendranath, the future Swami Vivekananda, was a member of the Brahmo Samaj, along with Arakal, the future Swami Brahmananda. And the Brahmos rejected image worship They rejected all conceptions of God as having any form. They conceived of God as a formless reality with attributes. 
and they even made a pledge that they will not enter any temple to bow down to any image of God. They made this kind of pledge. When Narendra began to visit Sri Ramakrishna, he was intensely drawn by Sri Ramakrishna's love and purity and renunciation, but he couldn't appreciate Sri Ramakrishna's devotion to the mother. He thought it, his, his visions of the mother were mere hallucinations. And when Rakhal went to the Kali temple, he noticed that Rakhal started bowing down before the image of the mother. He had got some, uh, the old tendencies re- reasserted themselves in Sri Ramakrishna's presence, and he began uh, to visit the Kali temple. He scolded Rakhal and wouldn't talk to him for some time until Sri Ramakrishna smoothed over their differences. So, this was the situation when Narendra started visiting Sri Ramakrishna, and this went on for a number of years. But in 1884, Narendra's life was thrown on its head. His father suddenly died in February 1884, plunging his family into dire poverty. And Narendra, being the oldest son, was expected to maintain the family. However, as we know now, he was destined to become Swami Vivekananda. So it wasn't possible for him to take up a job and uh, a career and support his family. So he was terribly in great anguish. And to add to the difficulties, his, some of his family members stole away his rightful inherited inheritance and he was forced to file a lawsuit against his own family members. In uh, August of 1884, Hazra and Sri Ramakrishna had a little conversation. Hazra said, Narendra is again involved in a lawsuit. Sri Ramakrishna replied, he doesn't believe in Shakti, the Divine Mother. If one assumes a human body, one must recognize her. Hazra. Narendra says, if I believed in Shakti, all would follow me. Therefore, I cannot. Master. But it is not good for him to go to the extreme of denying the Divine Mother. He is now under Shakti's jurisdiction. Even a judge, while giving evidence in a case, comes down and stands in the witness box. It reminds us of Totapuri, Sri Ramakrishna's sannyasa guru and Advaita Vedanta teacher, who also rejected the Divine Mother as merely a figment of Maya, imaginary, illusory. And we know how when his body was racked with pain on account of dysentery, he was unable to immerse his mind in samadhi and forget the body. So he thought, enough of it. I'll drown the body. And he went into the Ganges to drown his body. But no matter how far he waded out into the river, he couldn't find water deep enough to drown himself. There must have been a sandbar or something. And suddenly the heavens, his vision opened and he understood that in this world, Shakti, that co- the cosmic power, is supreme, and he then accepted the Divine Mother. So, 
This is the situation. Narendra was surely being encouraged by Sri Ramakrishna to accept Kali, and he may have been trying to do so. In, uh, on March 11, 1885, Narendra said to Sri Ramakrishna, Why? I have meditated on Kali for three or four days, but nothing has come of it. Sri Ramakrishna replied, All in good time, my child. Kali is none other than Brahman. That which is called Brahman is really Kali. She is the primal energy. When that energy remains inactive, I call it Brahman. And when it creates, preserves, or destroys, I call it Shakti or Kali. What you call Brahman, I call Kali. Brahman and Kali are not different. They are like fire and its power to burn. If one thinks of fire, one must think of its power to burn. If one recognizes Kali, one must also recognize Brahman. Again, if one recognizes Brahman, one must also recognize Kali. It is Brahman whom I address as Shakti or Kali. Finally came the great turning point. We know the incident, but we'll read part of it all the same. Swami Narendra turned to Sri Ramakrishna in desperation to solve his problems. And he himself has described what happened. It's a long passage, but I think we'll read out most of it, if not all of it. One day, the idea struck me, this is Swamiji speaking, that God listened to Sri Ramakrishna's prayers. So why should I not ask him to pray for me for the removal of my pecuniary needs, a favor the master would never deny me? I hurried to Dakshineshwar and insisted on his making the appeal on behalf of my starving family. He said, My boy, I can't make such demands. But why don't you go and ask the mother yourself? All your sufferings are due to your disregard of her. I said, I do not know the mother. You please speak to her on my behalf. You must. He replied tenderly, My dear boy, I have done so again and again, but you do not accept her, so she does not grant my prayer. All right, it is Tuesday. Go to the Kali temple tonight. Prostrate yourself before the mother and ask of her any boon you like. It shall be granted. She is knowledge absolute, the inscrutable power of Brahman. By her mere will she has given birth to this world. Everything is in her power to give. I believed every word and eagerly waited for the night. About nine o'clock the master asked me to go to the temple. As I went, I was filled with a divine intoxication. My feet were unsteady. My heart was leaping in anticipation of the joy of beholding the living goddess and hearing her words. I was full of the idea. Reaching the temple, as I cast my eyes on the image, I actually found that the Divine Mother was living and conscious, the perennial fountain of divine love and beauty. I was caught in a surging wave of devotion and love. In an ecstasy of joy, I prostrated myself again and again before the Mother and prayed, Mother, give me discrimination, give me renunciation, 
Give me knowledge and devotion. Grant that I may have the uninterrupted vision of thee. A serene peace reigned in my soul. The world was forgotten. Only the Divine Mother shone in my heart. As soon as I returned, the Master asked me if I had prayed to the Mother for the removal of my worldly needs. I was startled at this question and said, No, sir, I forgot all about it. But is there any remedy now? Go again, said he, and tell her about your needs. I again set out for the temple, but at the sight of the mother, again forgot my mission, bowed to her repeatedly, and prayed only for love and devotion. The master asked me if I had done it the second time. I told him what had happened. He said, How thoughtless! Couldn't you restrain yourself enough to say those few words? Well, try once more and make that prayer to her. Quick! I went for the third time. But on entering the temple, a terrible shame overpowered me. I thought, what a trifle I have come to pray to the mother about. It is like asking a gracious king for a few vegetables. What a fool I am. In shame and remorse, I bowed to her respectfully and said, Mother, I want nothing but knowledge and devotion. Coming out of the temple, I understood that all this was due to the Master's will. Otherwise, how could I fail in my object no less than three times? I came to him and said, Sir, it is you who have cast a charm over my mind and made me forgetful. Now, Please grant me the boon that my people at home may no longer suffer the pinch of poverty. He said, Such a prayer never comes to my lips. I asked you to pray for yourself, but you couldn't do it. It seems that you are not destined to enjoy worldly happiness. Well, I can't help that. But I wouldn't let him go. I insisted on his granting that prayer. At last he said, All right. Your people at home will never be in want of plain food and clothing. This was a profoundly significant event in Swami Vivekananda's life, a turning point, as it were. Sri Ramakrishna also was absolutely thrilled and overjoyed when Narendra finally came to accept the Divine Mother. There was a visitor, Vaikuntanath Sanal, who came to visit Dakshineshwar on the next day after this event. And uh, he found Sri Ramakrishna in his room, and Narendra was sleeping outside. Sri Ramakrishna, as soon as uh, Vaikuntha went to see him, uh, Sri Ramakrishna said to him, pointing to Narendra, Look here, that boy is exceptionally good. His name is Narendra. He would not accept the Divine Mother before, but he did so yesterday. He is in straitened circumstances nowadays, so I advised him to pray to the Mother for riches, but he couldn't. He said he was put to shame. Returning from the temple, he asked me to teach him a song to the Mother, which I did. The whole of last night he sang that song, so he is sleeping now. Then with unfeigned delight he said, isn't it wonderful that Narendra has accepted the mother? I said, yes. After a brief pause, he repeated the question, and thus it went on for some time. So this is the song he was, was 
uh, taught was Ma Tong Hitara. Mother, thou art our sole redeemer, thou the support of the three gunas, higher than the most high. Thou art compassionate, I know, who takest away our bitterest grief. So the whole night, Swamiji Narendra was in ecstasy singing this song. Much later, Vivekananda told Sister Niverita, gave some hints about what happened this night. We don't really know, but this much hint he gave. He said, uh, uh, Niverita writes, How I used to hate Kali, he said, referring to his own days of doubt in accepting the Kali ideal, and all her ways. How I used to hate Kali and all her ways. That was the ground of my six years' fight, that I would not accept her. But I had to accept her at last. Sri Ramakrishna Paramahamsa dedicated me to her, and now I believe that she guides me in everything I do and does with me what she will. Yet I fought so long. I loved him, you see, and that was what held me. I saw his marvelous purity. I felt his wonderful love. His greatness had not dawned on me then. All that came afterwards when I had given in. At that time I thought him a brain-sick baby, always seeing visions and the rest. I hated it. And then I, too, had to accept her. No, the thing that made me do it is a secret that will die with me. I had great misfortunes at the time. It was an opportunity. She made a slave of me. Those were the very words, a slave of you, and Ramakrishna Paramahamsa made me over to her. So it seems that on this night, Swami Vivekananda heard the words of the mother because he indicates here that she made him a slave. I make you my own slave, she told him. About a year later, in August of 1886, this relation of Narendra with the mother was cemented or finalized, as it were, by Sri Ramakrishna. It was just two or three days before Sri Ramakrishna left the body. And uh, how we know about this is uh, Swami Vivekananda's disciple, Sharachandra Chakrabarti, was recorded some conversations that he had with Vivekananda, recorded many conversations, and the disciple wanted Swamiji to take a sabbatical. It was 1901, Swamiji's health was failing. He wanted him to stop working and take rest and recover his health. And Swamiji replied to him, My son, there is no rest for me. That which Sri Ramakrishna called Kali took possession of my body and soul three or four days before his passing away. That makes me work and work and never lets me keep still or look to my personal comfort. Two or three days before the master's passing away, he called me to his side when alone and, making me sit before him, gazed intently into my eyes and entered into samadhi. I then actually perceived a powerful current of subtle force like electricity 
entering me from his body. After a time, I too lost all outward consciousness and was merged in samadhi. How long I was in that state, I cannot say. When I came down to the sense plane, I found the master crying. On being asked, he said with great tenderness, O my Naran, I have now become a fakir by giving away my all and everything to you. By the force of this shakti, you will do many great things in this world, and only after that will you go back. It seems to me that it is that power that makes me work and work, whirling me, as it were, in its vortex. This body is not made for sitting idle. Sri Ramakrishna told some of the other disciples that uh, if Narendra came to know who he was, that means one of the uh, seven sages, or one of the, at least we can say a very, very high soul immersed in meditation in the realm of the formless absolute, if he came to know who he was, he would simply give up his body and go back to his true abode, to his return to his true nature. So he prayed to the mother that his vision of his true self be obscured, be veiled. And uh, so the mother, he used to say, has placed a veil over his eyes, but very thin, very thin veil. In Thousand Island Park, Swami Vivekananda did give some, a, a, a few teachings on the Divine Mother to his intimate disciples. Though, as I mentioned, he didn't discuss the Mother publicly. To his intimate disciples, he introduced them to the Mother. So, I might read just a few fragments from his teachings to his disciples at Thousand Island Park in. 1895. The Divine Mother is the Kundalini sleeping in us. Without worshipping her, we can never know ourselves. All merciful, all powerful, omnipresent are attributes of Divine Mother. She is the sum total of the energy in the universe. Every manifestation of power in the universe is mother. She is life, she is intelligence, she is love. She is in the universe yet separate from it. She is a person and can be seen and known as Sri Ramakrishna knew and saw her. Established in the idea of mother, we can do anything. She quickly answers prayer. She can show herself to us in any form at any moment. Divine Mother can have form, rupa, and name, nama, or name without form. And as we worship her in these various aspects, we can rise to pure being, having neither form nor name. The sea calm is the absolute. The same sea in waves is Divine Mother. She is time, space, and causation. A bit of mother, a drop, was Krishna. Another was Buddha, another was Christ. Worship her if you want love and devotion. 
the jnani says, the follower of the path of knowledge, I will uncover God by force. But the dualist says, I will uncover God by praying to mother, begging her to open the door to which she alone has the key. So here we find Swami Vivekananda presenting a beautiful conception of the divine as mother, as all-gracious, all-protecting, and as carrying the key to divine realization. We approach her and she can unlock the door to spiritual illumination. But we, thinking about this conception of mother, we are leaving out something. What about that bloody garland of severed heads hanging around mother's neck? What of that severed head in her hand and the bloodied sword? What, do we, what about her girdle of severed human arms? What about the streams of blood trickling from the outside corners of her mouth? These are the, the attributes of Mother Kali as found in her images and in the descriptions of, of her form. Of course, devotees will give a symbolic uh, interpretation of these aspects of the mother. The severed head in her, the, the sword she holds in her hand is actually the sword of knowledge. And that sword severs the ego of ignorance. So the head she's holding is our own head, our own head of that unripe ego, the ego of ignorance. That's, so she, she severs that and grants us illumination. Her, our own arms are around her waist because she cuts the bonds of karma. Like that, devotees will give a symbolic interpretation. Or they will simply ignore those parts and <laughs> close their eyes to them. <laughs> but uh, as Nikilananji says, we find in Kali a glorious harmony of the pairs of opposites. If she is the power of Brahman, if she is time, space, and causation, then she is all. She is the all. She is the co- total cosmic reality. That means she is all good and she must also be all bad. The terrible must also be within her. She destroys as well as creates. The whole universe with all its joy and all its misery is just the play, the lila, the manifestation of the mother. Generally, we don't like this too much, that God is, that God is wicked also. God is in the wicked also. God is the, the, that all this suffering is just the play of God. Hari, the future Swami Turiyananda, made this very point to Sri Ramakrishna. He said, this play of God is our death. Sri Ramakrishna was saying, it's all just a play. But this play of God is our death, he says. Sri Ramakrishna fired right back. Please tell me who you are. God alone has become all this. Maya, the universe, living beings, and the 24 cosmic principles. As the snake I bite, 
and as the charmer I cure. So this is a difficult but mature conception of the divine. That good and apparent good and apparent evil are just two faces of the absolute. And our death, as Hari is complaining about, that's not really us. That's simply this material eggshell. <laughs> there came a period in Swami Vivekananda's life which marks the third great transformation in his life. We have the first when he first accepted the mother and the second when Sri Ramakrishna cemented that relation and uh, the mother took full charge of him. And the third happened in 1898 when he felt the need somehow to understand the divine in the terrible. All the misery in the world, all the destruction, all the pain, all the suffering, could he find the mother in that? Nivedita, Sister Nivedita describes this very beautifully and very powerfully. It was after the, their pilgrimage to Amarnath. The Swami's attention appeared to shift during the month of August from Shiva to the mother. He was always singing the songs of Ram Prasad as if he would saturate his own mind with the conception of himself as a child. He told some of us once that wherever he turned, he was conscious of the presence of the mother as if she were a person in the room. Gradually, however, his absorption became more intense. Now he seemed to fasten his whole attention on the dark, the painful, and the inscrutable in the world, with the determination to reach by this particular road the one behind all phenomena. The worship of the terrible now became his whole cry. Illness or pain would always draw forth the reminder that she is the organ, she is the pain, and she is the giver of pain, Kali, Kali, Kali. His brain was teeming with thoughts, he said one day, and his fingers would not rest till they were written down. It was that same evening that we came back to our houseboat from some expedition and found waiting for us where he had called and left them his manuscript lines on Kali, the mother. Writing in a fever of inspiration, he had fallen on the floor when he had finished, as we learnt afterwards, exhausted with his own intensity. So I'll try to read out the poem, Kali the Mother. If you don't, if you don't know it, then brace yourself. The stars are blotted out. The clouds are covering clouds. It is darkness, vibrant, sonant. In the roaring, whirling wind are the souls of a million lunatics just loosed from the prison house, wrenching trees by the roots, sweeping all from the path. The sea has joined the fray and swirls up mountain waves to reach the pitchy sky. The flash of lurid light reveals on every side a thousand, thousand shades of death, begrimed and black, 
scattering plagues and sorrows, dancing mad with joy. Come, mother, come, for terror is thy name, death is in thy breath. And every shaking step destroys a world for error. Thou time, the all-destroyer. Come, O mother, come. Who dares misery love and hug the form of death? Dance in destruction's dance. To him the mother comes. Afterwards, Swami Vivekananda spent a week at Chirabhavani, a mountain, a temple dedicated to the Divine Mother, and there he practiced intense spiritual disciplines, very intensive uh, meditation, japa, and worship. Of this period, he said later, it all came true, every word of it. Who dares misery love? dance in destruction's dance, and hug the form of death. To him the mother does indeed come. I have proved it, for I have hugged the form of death. It was also at Kshir Bhavani that Swamiji heard the voice of the mother. He relates how he had been pondering over the ruination and desecration of the mother's temple there by earlier Muslim invaders. And feeling very distressed, he thought, how could the people have permitted such sacrilege without offering strenuous resistance? If I were here then, I would never have allowed such things. I would have laid down my life to protect the mother. Then he heard the mother speak. And Nivedita describes how uh, he relates this experience. He was uh, returning from Kshirabhavani, and Nivedita and the other uh, companions were still staying in a houseboat in Kashmir. He entered our houseboat, a transfigured presence, and silently passed from one to another, blessing us and putting marigolds on our heads. I offered them to mother, he said at last, as he ended by handing the garland to one of us. Then he sat down. No more Hariyom. It is all mother now, he said with a smile. We all sat silent. Had we tried to speak, we should have failed. So tense was the spot with something that stilled thought. He opened his lips again. All my patriotism is gone. Everything is gone. Now it is only mother, mother. I have been very wrong, he said simply after another pause. Mother said to me, what, even if unbelievers should enter my temples and defile my images, what is that to you? Do you protect me or do I protect you? So there is no more patriotism. I am only a little child. It is amazing and wonderful to see how through the terrible Swamiji became transformed like this, transfigured, and this new mood of absolute and total surrender came to him. 
Nivedita re- relates in another, pla- another place how, because Vivekananda had to work so hard and he struggled so hard, but uh, she writes that he never fought with anyone other than mother. When he was struggling to bring his message, when he was struggling to uplift India, when he was struggling to found his monastic order, he was fighting, but he was fighting mother. And he said, it is glorious to fight mother. <laughs> Swamiji wrote another poem on the, this terrible aspect of the mother in Bengali called Nachuktahate Shama. Let Shama dance there. Let Mother Kali dance there. It's a long poem and we won't go into it today. And as of yet, there is no good translation. Although uh, one of my friends is working on a translation. Uh, but the last two stanzas, I'd like to read out a translation. It's a very beautiful and powerful idea. He exhorts us. Awake, O hero. Forsake your dreams. Death stands at your head. Does fear behoove thee? This world full of sorrow is the body of God. His temple the abode of ghouls in the midst of funeral pyres. His worship perpetual battle albeit always in defeat. Fear not, let all desires, self, fame, go. The heart be turned into a burning ground, and may Shama dance there. This last line, that let all desire all selfishness, swartha sadman, churna swartha sadman. <coughs> let them be crushed, let them be pulverized, all selfishness, all desire for name and fame, for wealth and riches, for this miserable ego. Let it be crushed. Fredoishmashan. Let the heart be a cremation ground where Mother Kali dwells. Mother Kali is said to dwell in the cremation ground. Let the heart itself be turned into cremation ground and the corpses of all our false desires are burned on the pyres there. And then let Mother Shama dance there. And that's when she will come and dance, is when all our uh, obstacles, our giant ego and greed and lust and all of that, when all of that is burned, then mother comes and dances here. The acceptance, the worship of the terrible, or at least acceptance of the terrible, also brings to my mind a boldness, a fearlessness, and a great dispassion, a great vairagya. No more will we be attracted by the false glitter of this world because we see that on everywhere we see what seems good, we know there is also the opposite side of the coin. And we know that Mother, as time, is crushing out a world with every shaking step. 
and time devours everything. So it actually brings a great boldness and fearlessness. Yes, mother is coming. This body, if every one of us who is over the age of 40 in this room knows that mother is coming and crushing out this body bit by bit and it won't be long before it will have to be thrown aside, cast aside as a uh, dried out, used up garment. So fearlessly we can call on the mother. There's an interesting uh, conversation related that by Sister Nivedita again uh, about his, on the one hand, his, he's the great teacher of non-dualism, of Advaita Vedanta, in which the deities are ultimately also illusory, as the individual soul is illusory and the world is illusory and the the, the gods are also illusory and only Brahman exists. Well, Swamiji said this. He said, The future, you say, will call Ramakrishna Paramahamsa an incarnation of Kali? Yes. I think there's no doubt that she worked up the body of Ramakrishna for her own ends. You see, I cannot but believe that there is somewhere a great power that thinks of herself as feminine, and called Kali and Mother. And I believe in Brahman too. But is it not always like that? Is it not the multitude of cells in the body that make up the personality, the many brain centers, not the one that produce consciousness? Unity in complexity, just so. And why should it be different with Brahman? It is Brahman. It is the one. And yet... And yet, it is the gods too. Elsewhere he said, I believe in Brahman and the gods, and not in anything else. So somehow, in his experience, we can understand that these two uh, positions are harmonized. And his highest conception of who is mother, highest we don't know, one of his, Sister Nivedita relates that Swamiji would always, when asked to explain the image of Kali, speak of it as the book of experience. He would speak of the image of Kali as the book of experience in which the soul turns page after page only to find that there is nothing in it after all. And Nivedita goes on to say that this, to my own mind, Nivedita's mind, is the final explanation. Kali, the mother, is to be the worship of the Indian future. In her name will her sons find it possible to sound many experiences to their depths. And yet, in the end, their hearts will return to the ancient wisdom, and each man will know, when his hour comes, that all his life was but as a dream. The opening song which we had today is very was a very appropriate song because uh, 
This song was the last song Swamiji sang in his life. The day that he chose to leave his body, which was July 4th, 1902, it was a very unusual day. That morning, he entered the shrine at Belarmut and closed at 8 o'clock in the morning and closed and bolted all the windows and all the doors and stayed shut up in the shrine for three hours. Afterwards, he opened, the, he opened them again and he came out singing this song, Shamama Ki Amar Kalore. The beautiful uh, song, Is Kali, my mother, really black? The naked one of blackest hue lights the lotus of the heart. People say Kali is black, but my heart does not agree. She appears sometimes white, sometimes yellow, sometimes blue, sometimes red. I am unable to understand her, though my whole life has passed in trying. Sometimes Purusha, sometimes Prakriti, sometimes she takes the form of the void. Striving to know her thus, Kamalakanta has simply become mad. After singing the song, Swamiji uh, was making arrangements to have Kali Puja performed at the Mutt the following day. He was making arrangements that gather all the materials, and so some of the monks started, uh, went off to gather the uh, appropriate, the required articles for performing Kali Puja the very next day. Though at this point, surely he already knew that this was the day. So he, <laughs> he wanted the mother to be worshipped the following day. Obviously, the monks were not able to fulfill this wish immediately. They performed a Kali Puja about a month later. The blow was too great. They couldn't, simply couldn't do Kali Puja the next day. So I'd like, uh, in closing, to read uh, a few verses from yet another poem of Swamiji's. This is a Sanskrit poem called Amba Stotram. We don't know when he wrote it, uh, but this is uh, not such a uh, terrifying poem. This gives a beautiful conception of mother as, as uh, his refuge. And after singing, after uh, the, reading the poem, Prithvis Das Gupta will sing this, a song which uh, Swami Vivekananda also used to sing very often and used to love, which is Nibira Adharema. In dense darkness, O Mother, thy formless beauty sparkles. So uh, that will be an appropriate ending for our uh, discussion today. So this is the Ambastotram. This is a translation found, uh, which we found in a magazine published by the Vedanta Society of Northern California way back in the 20s or 30s. It was a mimeographed uh, magazine and the translation is surely by Swami Ashokananda and it's, it's about ten times better than the translation we find in the complete works so that's 
why I felt I could read it out. O beautiful, auspicious one, holding in thy hands pleasure and pain, who art thou? The waters of existence are whirled to mighty bursting waves. Is it, O mother, to restore the shattered calm that thou art ceaselessly active in the universe? May she whose action knows no respite, who constantly brings about the fruit of actions done and shapes actions yet to be, may she always bestow her blessings upon me. She it is, I know certainly, who holds the ropes of karma. Without her, where is virtue? Where vice? Where is destiny, the writing on the forehead? Without her, where is action? Where the fruit of action? May she, the cords of whose sovereign will control all laws, may she, the primal one, shelter me everlastingly. Oh, where shall I find refuge save in her, whose glories manifest in the universe in powers immeasurable, whose powers swell the ocean of birth and death and transform the immutable into the changing and divided? To friend and foe thy lotus eyes are even. On fortunate and unfortunate thou layest thy hand alike. Deathlessness and the shadow of death are equally thy mercy. O Mother, O Supreme One, may thy gracious glances never forsake me. How infinitely great is the Mother, and how inadequate the praise I sing of her, I, so poor of understanding. It is as if I desired to seize with my hands the sole sustainer of the universe. So, at her blessed feet, the abode of fearlessness, meditated on by the very goddess of grace and glory, adored by those devoted to her service, I take refuge. Whether I succeed or fail, she who has ever inspired my understanding on the earth, who, devising sweet, playful ways, has led me since my birth along the most painful paths to perfection. She, the mother, the all, is my refuge. Dhyati Dukkha Margai Asam Siddhe Svakalitair Lalitair Vilasai Yame Buddhim Suvidadhe Satadham Dharanyam Samba Sarva Mamagati Sapale Paliva Tomeva Mata Chapita Tomeva Tomeva Bandhush Chasaka Tomeva Tomeva Vidyadravinam Tomeva Tomeva Sarvam Mamadeva Deva Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Whether I succeed or fail, she who has ever inspired my understanding on the earth, 
who, devising sweet, playful ways, has led me since my birth along the most painful paths to perfection. She, the mother, the all, is my refuge. Thou art my mother, my father art thou. Thou art my friend, my companion art thou. Thou art my knowledge, my wealth art thou. Thou art my all in all, O God of gods. Om peace, peace, peace.